One of the biggest mistakes that we see leading to so much frustration in runners is setting goals with the wrong timeline. And often this happens because people are not quite sure where they are right now. So to help you figure that out, we've created a brand new resource called the Running Snapshot so that you can get clear on where you are right now so that you can set goals that you can actually achieve and set yourself up for success. Grab your free copy over at realliferunners.com forward slash snapshot today. Now on to the show. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so we just celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary. It's a long time. It is, a couple weeks ago, and it was on uh, November 17th. And that week, we were actually planning on doing this episode. This episode was supposed to be released on November 17th. and We're a little behind. Well, and then I realized that that was the week that we were doing our five-day challenge. Right. So we were releasing the five-day challenge episodes every single day during that week. So we didn't want to then release an extra episode on that day because we were already like slamming people's podcast inboxes in with episodes. And then we did actually celebrate our anniversary. We did, yes. Um, but I, when I was thinking about our podcast like for the rest of this, the year and I saw that our 15-year anniversary landed on 11-17, I thought it would be fun to do an episode about us because we get a lot of questions about, you know, just kind of like how we met, who we are, um, and the fact that we are, you know, running partners and spouses and business partners and parents and all of the roles that we play in our lives. And so I thought it would be fun to just kind of do a, an episode where we just kind of talked about our story. So if that doesn't interest you, feel free to skip it. Um, but there are going to be a lot of really applicable things for running in here too. So it's not just going to be us talking about ourselves the whole time. Like it is it's a lot of be our, a little bit of that. I mean, yeah, it's our, it's our story. Right. But I think that when you listen to our story, you're probably going to be able to hear a lot of maybe your own story or friends of yours, or maybe you'll just get to know us a little bit better and you'll feel, you know, maybe a little bit more connected. You'll kind of understand who those two people behind the microphone are. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really my goal because part of the reason that we do this podcast is to connect with people. And when I know that when I learn other people's stories, it really, it makes me feel closer to that person that person, you know, I, I feel great. I love learning about other people. I love hearing people's stories. Um, so if you are kind of like that, then I think this will be a fun episode for you. It should be a fun one. You know, people behind the microphone or in front of the camera for those yeah. of you who check out the YouTube channel. Yeah. we Maybe you don't even know we have a YouTube channel. We, we in fact record these things and put ourselves up on the, uh, you the go, internet. You could go ch <laughs> check out all of these episodes on YouTube. Um, and if you're not yet following us, I'm going to put another plug in here for our social media. Make sure you're following Following us either on Instagram or on TikTok. Okay. So depending on which platform you like the best, we are at Real Life Runners on both of those. And this month in December, we are posting 31 days of running tips. So I'm posting a new video every single day. And so we're recording this in December. Um, so we've already got some under our, our belt. So you can go check us out over there and stay tuned. Make sure that you're following us on those platforms. Feel free to share or like any of those posts and help us to spread the word to help other runners to run their life. Here's some quality tips. Your one today, yesterday, I forget which number it was. Yeah. It was like a multi-part tip. It was like five tips in one. So yeah, it was five steps to mentally prepare for race day. Right. That's that a, a super multi-tip. <clears throat> that was a really good one. You guys should definitely check that out. That was day five. So let's start out talking a little bit about how we met. 
and how this whole crazy life of ours <laughs> came to be. Um, I mean, the, the short story is we met in college. We did. We probably actually sat relatively near each other in like class we in have the no first idea. couple of years, but we have no idea. No, we, we don't know that. So ultimately we met through a mutual friend. Yeah. I spent my fall semester junior year in London and um, in a study abroad program, we both went to the University of Notre Dame and we... Um, my one of my roommates in London was actually friends with Kevin. So we met through her um, the spring semester of our junior year when we got back to campus. Yes, because one of my roommates, the guy that I'd lived with my freshman, sophomore year, was also one of like, he was in London. With he us. was in London with yeah. you. So there was like there was a lot of connection between that. And so I actually did one of my like trips with him yes randomly and didn't know obviously like i didn't know kevin at this time but um so i was actually friends with your best friend and the who ended up being the best man in our wedding before right. before i met you <laughs> yes yes he met you before like we were a mm -hmm. thing so that was that was kind of cool yeah and i don't think he would have guessed that we would have gotten together uh probably not didn't he tell you that once probably like knowing the two of us separately <laughs> like i, 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 I would not have Pick that one. I definitely would not have picked 15 years. So yeah, I was not putting my money on that, that think, one. No, he knew that once we once we got married, that was it. Like, yeah. It was, I think, you know, leading up to that point. <laughs> yes. Like, leading up to us dating, it was like the question. It wasn't afterwards. Yes. The leading up to us <laughs> dating, he was not putting his money on 15 plus years of marriage. There that's, you go. That's what he was, yeah. he was going for. But at the wedding, he knew it was. That's we, true. We were good to go. Um, at least he better of Mark. I mean, his speech suggested as much. <laughs> it did, it did. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how we met. And when we met, Kevin was, well, Kevin ran cross country for the University of Notre Dame. Right. I had just stopped running for yeah. the University of Notre Dame when we met. Right. So we, you were not technically like you were a runner obviously yes. but you were not currently on the team at that point yeah when you met me i was in this really awkward position of i had stopped running for the team yeah and then i was trying to figure like out just the semester before right i had stopped in october and yeah. we met january uh, yeah i mean technically we met at the very end of january um so uh, it was that like that weird window of what was I going to do? What was that? like, do I still run? Do I train? Do I just like casually like it was such a weird running time for yeah. me, which is weird because runner is such an identity that I have. Yeah, it was you your AOL me. screen name even. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. You guys remember those? those I just got those. Yes. Back in the day, like if you guys remember AOL Instant Messenger. And your all of your away messages. No one snapped each other. We had <laughs> we had away messages to let people know exactly what was going on. Oh, yeah. And if you are young, by by chance listening to this, you should definitely go look, look up what AIM was because that is like the OG of social media, basically. It's certainly one right? of them. I mean, think about it. That's certainly kind of funny when of you them. think about it. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how we met. And, um, I was definitely not a runner in college. I hated running. I grew up playing um, volleyball, basketball, and softball. So running to me was punishment. Yep. And I did run a little bit at Notre Dame just like because I felt like I wanted to get in shape. It was simply to lose weight and get in shape. That's it. Like it was absolute torture the whole time. I did enjoy like maybe one or two runs around the lakes because it was really, really pretty. I mean, it's nice to run around the lakes. Yeah. It's weird. I never really ran around the lakes um, until... I stopped running on the team. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't do workouts around lakes. Right. We did workouts other places. Yeah, because you had to run a lot farther. Well, and a lot faster. Yeah. Like it's just too crowded to go around the lakes. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I 
I was still like, I was getting back into running because one of our first like fancy dates that we went on, mm-hmm. I had actually won the gift card to the restaurant that I took you to, Yeah, which was kind of an interesting one. Yeah. That was like one of the intramural 5Ks, yeah. right? Well, it was like a, it was a 5K that one of the dorms had put on. Yeah. I actually ended up getting second place and won this gift certificate to like the really fancy restaurant that was like on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we went out to fancy dinner. Um, It was weird because I got second. If I had gotten first, I would have won this like gift card for like all sorts of air mileage it was like a $500 southwest gift certificate oh, really yeah which would have come in much handier after we graduated from college and moved to different sides of the country mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but at the time but it's... I went to I got to take you out to dinner yeah and and since like dating is non-existent at Notre Dame that was like a, a, a treat yes, yes yeah. it was so um so that's kind of like how how we met and you know when we were it's so it's kind of funny that we were not really runners like you were obviously, but you were in like kind of a weird phase of your running. I was at that a point very time. weird phase of, and running. I was totally not a runner at you were all. Definitely not a runner at the time. But I could tell that you still loved running, right? And like you, I remember when um, when we went home for that summer because that was our junior year. And Kevin, you ran or you worked in a running shoe store. Yes. And then I came out to visit you in California. And that was the first time. Well, did I? When did I get to actually get those first pair? Yeah, it has to, had to have been that summer. I would have assumed that summer. Because that summer, well, we went to Southern California for our friend's birthday. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I got my first pair of like real running shoes that summer. Um, or maybe it was the summer after, like after we graduated. Uh, somewhere along there. You yeah. got your first pair of actual running shoes from a specialty running shoe store. That you worked in. And you stopped like trying to run and cross trainers. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> I'm telling you guys, when I put those first pair of running shoes on my feet, it was like a whole new world opened up. Like this does not hurt half as much as it used to it still hurt <laughs> yes because it was still running and you still mentally did not enjoy the act of running <laughs> well and it was still like you know pushed and push too hard phase also right it's before we learned all about easy running and all the things that we know now so yeah still not a big fan but did it more yeah and uh, but partly so, to connect with you of course <laughs> i mean by the time we were through college i had already run a marathon because i trained for a marathon mm-hmm. that summer yeah. and then ran that was chicago so that's got to be it's october mm-hmm. um and you came along and, and watched because there were yep. like you had other friends that were doing it and you had like a little group that like hit up all the little stops through mm-hmm. chicago to spot us throughout the marathon i didn't have any other friends doing it we were just there for you like i but- thought there were other people that you were trying to no, there was a couple of us that came in just like to watch you and Mark yeah. run it, but then we stayed with my friend from high school uh, okay. who, who lived in Chicago. So yeah, so that was fun. Um, but so yeah, so then you ran a marathon your senior year of college. That was like the first time that you were part of my like running support crew. Yeah. Like that was like, you weren't there like handing me bottles of water or anything like that, but mm-hmm. like you were literally following me around at all these different stops through Chicago. Yeah. Like this, this is what it's like to cheer on a marathon. You just keep hopping. On. Were you going like trains or, but they used to have a shuttle. We used to have buses. That yeah. would take you from place to place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was shuttle. before Chicago got to be like 50,000 people or whatever mm-hmm. it is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then what happened? to your running after college or like the rest of senior year and kind of after college, give us the short version. We'll do a little like running journey (laughs) recap. I mean, I ran a marathon. I didn't train well for it. I stopped running the month before it and I still did it anyway. It was super, super painful. (laughs) I don't recommend not running the month before a marathon. Yeah. Um, and still then, qualified for Boston. uh, True. Who couldn't move the next day though. (laughs) Um, funny story. 
So I, I kind of just kept running. I was trying to figure out what running was on my own terms when I didn't have a coach, yeah. when I was coaching myself. And I tried to start basically figuring out like what distances work better for me and things like that. Like, cause you know, if you run in high school, you run in college, you have the distances prescribed to you in high school. Everything's a 5k in college. It's a lot of 8ks. Like that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And once you're on your own, you can run whatever races you want. You just find a race. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll run marathons. And, you know, then we kind of fast forward and I lived in California and you lived in Florida. Eventually I moved to Florida and I started hitting up the like road racing circuit in, in South Florida. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a lot of road racing and still pushing myself really hard because I was kind of still rooted in my like college coaching philosophy. And I started trying to figure out like, what would I do if I was trying to figure out how to just coach myself mm-hmm. instead of just do what I've been doing from previous coaches? What if I do some like look into this and try and figure out how to train myself for different races? Yeah. And then you also started to get into high school cross country coaching. Well, that that started before I even moved to Florida. Right. You, so that started moved, in California. Right. I moved back to California and started, I was the assistant track coach at my high school. Right. Like as soon as I came back and it was weird because when I was in high school, there was always a guy, there was like the head coach. There was sometimes an assistant who was like another teacher on campus. And then there was like this guy, sometimes he was in college. Sometimes he was just out of college. There was like a guy somewhere in his low twenties that would come out and run with the team who was usually just like ridiculously fast. Like from my perspective as Mm -hmm. the high school kid on the team. And then I came back and apparently I was that guy. You were the guy. I was the guy that could go out there and. I could pace anybody on the team and I could put them through all their workouts. And it was, it was weird, but I still, I got into coaching, but I wasn't really in charge of anything. I was just sort of like helping put kids through it. But Mm -hmm. with the idea of, could this be something that I would actually do, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of just like, all right, I'll just do the workout that the coach prescribed. Be like, well, why is that the workout? And how do I help the kids get through the workout? And not Mm -hmm. just like, how do I get through it? How do I help other people get through it? Why do I help other people get through it? And things like that. Mm -hmm. It started to figure out what coaching running actually was. Yeah. And so then if we fast forward a little bit, I still, like when I graduated college, I definitely would not have called myself a runner at that point. I was just kind of like dating this really cute runner. And then I ended up taking a year off before I decided to go to PT school because I was on the track to go to med school. Um, I was headed toward an MD since I was like five years old and then decided my senior year of college that that was not going to be the path for me. There's just something in my gut that was telling me that was not the right thing for me to do. So I ended up getting my doctorate in physical therapy at the University of Miami. And that's when Kevin moved from California to Miami. And it was in Miami where, you know, people that go to PT school are a different breed, we'll say, right? And that's a good way of putting it. I would say, and like, especially in my class, um, all like so many of us, the majority of our class, if not all of us were basically um, into health and fitness somehow, right? And so the people that I became friends with, the people that then became my roommates, it was just what we did. You know, we Mm -hmm. went to class and then we went to the gym afterwards and we started running. And that's when I did like my first sprint triathlon. I started doing more 5Ks because it was just something that we did. We would go, we would run on the treadmill, we would lift, and then we would go home and make dinner and and do the rest of the things, right? So it was just kind of a part of the living situation and the culture um, that I was a part of. Would I have called myself a runner at that point? I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. Probably not. <laughs> but you're very I probably fit. Still, 100% athletic. Yes. I, I would have 100% identified as an athlete. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have called myself a runner yet at that point, even yeah. though I was running, you know, 
many days per week, on a regular basis, on a regular basis. Yeah. I was doing, you know, races and things like that too. Um, so it's kind of funny, right? Because I think that it's, we all have this idea in our head of what a runner is and whether <laughs> or not we are that identity. Right. And we've talked about this on previous episodes and we talk about this in the Academy and, you know, it's one of the big things that we coach people on now, but, um, and, and that all comes from our perspective, right? That all comes from I mean, like our, so, our journey here. So much of that comes from you because for the yeah. longest time you resisted being a runner. I did. Whereas like runner was one of the first sports that I did that I, I was particularly good at. Yeah. I did various sports through grade school. Like I did all the different things. I was not that good at them. I was fine at them. Like I wasn't terrible at the sports, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't good at any of the sports. And then I did running and I just, there was some natural talent there that didn't yeah. exist in the other sports that I had done. So I, I immediately grabbed onto runner. Like that was a good thing for me. Yeah. You kept sort of pushing that off mm-hmm. of, no, 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 I'm not a runner because runners are those people over there. And mm-hmm. that's, that's not what I do. Well, and I also was comparing myself somewhat to you, which is a, a ridiculous, dangerous comparison. ridiculous comparison, right? But like you were the first like runner that I had really been close to, I would say, like, I'm, trying to think right now, like I hadn't really had like other people in my life that were like runners. Like I hadn't seen that in my family or anything like that growing up. So to me, you were a runner and you were so much faster and could do so much more than I could. So therefore I was not right. Like when you, when I compared myself to you and obviously now I know that runners come in all shapes and sizes and distances and paces, and it doesn't really matter what distance or what pace you run. If you run, you're a runner. That's a hundred percent what I believe now, but it's an interesting, you know, kind of shift that, that I had to very consciously make. It's weird. Cause runners never had to be this certain, like, like specific category to me. Like when I ran cross country in high school, we had people who were running 15 flat for the 5k. Yeah. And we had people who were running like mid to upper twenties and they were just on the team mm-hmm. and they also were enjoying the experience. They had, they did it because a lot of their friends were on the team. They did it because cross country, like we had a good chunk of kids who did cross country because it was a non-cut sport. Mm-hmm. And so they could have four years of a sport to right. put onto their college resume. Right. Like, so that's why they did it. Yeah. They did, they did cross country in the fall and they did track in the spring and they had two separate sports that they did for four straight years. Mm-hmm. And that makes a big deal when you were applying to college. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, all sorts of different things. My dad ran. Um, so I had that, my sister ran a couple years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I had a neighbor who did ultra marathons. Like he ran yeah. crazy distances. So running was just like a natural part of your life. It didn't seem weird to me. Right. So, it, and- it was very weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that that's one of the things that kind of brought Kevin and I, like what, it, which is so unique about our coaching perspective, right? Because you have both of us, like, you know, that the way that we coach both our runners on the cross country team. And inside our real life runners, uh, training Academy, we have both perspectives and, and we have people that are more identify with you and your story. And then we have more people like other people that identify with me and my story. Mm -hmm. And I think that like bringing those different perspectives allows us to coach such a wider variety of people, which is so fantastic. Right. So, I mean, your interest in coaching of runners, Mm -hmm. you came on to help coach cross country before real life runners existed. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So like you kind of started coaching yourself, you, you, you coached, um, a year in California, then you moved to Florida. Then you started coaching high school cross country down here. How did that happen? Um, and why did you get into that? Well, okay. So it, a very short version of this story. My my roommate and I, junior year in college, were up late one night 
possibly enjoying a beverage or two. And we're discussing what would be like the most fun thing to do after we graduated. And both of us were like, go back and be our high school coach. Mm -hmm. Like he was, he loved his swimming and water polo coach. I love my cross country and track coach. Like we were like, just to be that guy. That guy always seemed to love who he was working with. Mm-hmm. Both of, uh, you know, both those the people in our lives were like married with kids. They just seemed to always be enjoying what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So we're like, that'd be awesome. And so, you know, after we after I graduated, I moved back to California, get the assistant coaching job. I'm like, am I sliding into this job? This is cool. And then I moved to Florida and I got a, t- a teaching job at Angie's high school because mm-hmm. she was still in touch with, you know, some of her mentors from high school. So I got into that job and then gained the assistant track job and then the assistant cross country job. Mm-hmm. And then that cross country coach got pregnant and retired. And then I was there. So I just got the head tra- head cross country coaching job. Like, don't say it's like default, like default like that. Like they but also chose you. True. But like literally things just kept kind of coming into place. Like, yeah. yes, they could have gone and gotten a, a different coach if they right. wanted to. Like I was, I was good at what I was doing. Yeah. And so it just made sense that I would take on the head coaching job. And so then I kept bringing in other people to be like an assistant because there's a decent number of kids on the team. It's just mm-hmm. tricky to keep track of everybody. And I never had an assistant that really lasted more than a year or that worked out and, and like meshed well with me. Yeah. And so Angie saw my frustration with this and she was like, can well, I help? At, at this point in time, that's when we were pretty new. Like we had just gotten married yep. and we were just starting to have babies yes. also. So continue. Yeah, just so you guys can understand, kind of like the, life circumstances. The of this thing, happening. like part of your frustration was that you didn't have somebody else that you could lean on when you wanted to come home and like be with the family, because right. family is definitely a core value that we we have and and hold very highly. And so you were seeing how often cross countries and specifically track well, yeah. were taking you away from the family, and that was like a, a big disconnect for you too. Right. So you know the. Being a quality coach in cross country and track is is not a show up for an hour and a half, two hours of practice right. and be done. Yeah, like there's a connection. and that's what people don't understand. With, I mean, being a coach in anything yeah. is a lot more than the time period of that practice. Mm-hmm. Even being a coach on uh, to uh, like the real life runners academy members, it's yeah. th- there's a, an investment in in who these people actually are. Mm-hmm. Of they're not just like oh well that's that's neat we've got a, a roster of whatever it is. Yeah. Like they're, they're actual people who have actual running journeys and lives way beyond running journeys Mm -hmm. that affect their running journeys. You can't just look at them outside of their real lives and say, oh, well, here's, here's an athlete. They've been running for three years. They run 30 miles a week. They do five days a week. So I can put them on plan A. Like that's just not how running works. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I mean, that's how I've always coached cross country. It's always how we kind of started the whole real life runners thing of this needs to get more personalized to people Mm because you can't just throw plans at them. And so many people just throw plans. Like I was coaching against other cross country coaches that would just throw like the standard Mm -hmm. plan for every single kid on their team. And it's like, well, that doesn't work. That's why half your team is injured by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you got to work with me on the timeline of how we went from having small children on the team to bringing you on as an assistant, because you got to help me out with that time. Well, at at first it was, um, it was kind of like, I can help in on the back end. Like, it was like, I'm not coming to practice because again, like I was still 
at that point in time, especially with two children, like, so I would say, so back to like kind of my running story before we had kids, I definitely started running more. And it was something that you and I started doing together. We would go and work out at the Y after work every night. I mean, that was even before kids. That was when we That's used to said. run together. That yeah. was so fantastic. Right. And then we would start, like, we would do some local races and things like that. And then after my, um, after we had our first baby, she was three months old when you ran your first half marathon. Yep. What, what made you run that first half marathon? Do you remember? I wanted to see how fast I could run a half marathon. That was it pretty sure that was it i had run a marathon i knew i could run a marathon faster than i had Mm -hmm. but the time commitment for running a marathon while having a very small child Mm -hmm. seemed daunting yeah so i figured i i knew the plan i could put myself on for a half you compromised on the half i think that's what it was yeah and so um before like leading up to that point like we had been we had done you know several 5ks and things like that and i started to kind of break down my preconceived notions about runners and running and my ability as a runner. Like I always labeled myself as a slow runner. I never thought I was good at running. Running was always punishment for me. And I started to enjoy it more. I started to enjoy the race culture more. Um, and I actually started wondering if I could get faster because you told me that I could get faster. It's because you've always seen yourself as a slow runner. Yeah. I've always seen you as the super athletic runner mm-hmm. and like there are definitely runners out there that are very good at running yeah. but just don't have an overall athletic look to them mm-hmm. like they're good if they're able to run nice clean straight lines they're they're track runners they can do road races mm-hmm. but as soon as you change the terrain underneath them they look super awkward mm. there's those kind of runners you're just a very athletic person so i'm like she's super athletic she's got to be able to go faster than this time what's the limiter on it and mm-hmm. it turned out the answer was she kept telling herself she was slow yeah it turns out it was mental <laughs> <laughs> um so once I watched Kevin run his first half marathon while holding our three month old, yep. I thought to myself, huh, I wonder if I could ever do that because I kept seeing more and more people like when I was just watching, cause Kevin ended up getting second place in that race. So as I was watching the rest of the crowd cross the line and run through, and I was seeing people of all ages, all shapes, all sizes, all cultures, like it was just literally so many different types of people. It really started to break down my stereotype that I had in my head of like what made a runner, especially like, because this was a half marathon. It mm-hmm. wasn't just like the local 5k, right? Anybody can do a local 5k in my head, right? That was, like, that was, and and there's like a boundary to, that you had. Yeah. Like not to um, downplay a 5k. Cause I think 5k's are fantastic. And you know, if, if you're into 5k's, can, you know, <laughs> they're fantastic. I'm not downplaying awful that. at the same time. Oh, they are awful, <laughs> but I'm not downplaying that accomplishment, you no. know, like, but at that time in my head, I'm like, oh, it's a 5K versus like, this is a half marathon, right? Yeah, half marathon could I really, pedestal to it. Did I really do that? You know, and I'm like looking at all these different people and I'm like, I bet I could. And I was like, do you think I could do that? And you're like, yeah, of course you can, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, then I'm going to do it. And so then I ran my first half when our oldest was two. Mm-hmm. Um, she had just turned two. I loved it. I enjoyed the entire process. It was fantastic. I crossed the line feeling amazing, hit all my goals. You know, like my, my top goal was to like just finish. And then my second goal was to be able to run the whole time and not walk. And my third goal was, was a time goal. And I hit all three of those goals. And I was like, I'm going to do another one. You know, like I'm, I'm ready to sign up. Like there was a half marathon that I was ready to sign up for because I really wanted that green shirt. It was a bright green shirt. Uh And I was really into like neon and lime green at the I, time. I know. I have the shirt. So um, 
Yeah. And so, um, and then I found out like two weeks later that I was pregnant with number two. So then I ran the half marathon. It turns out that shirt just holds smell. It does hold smell. Do you still have that? (laughs) You haven't thrown that away yet? No. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of jealous when you ran that one because I really wanted that shirt and I kind of wanted you to get it in my size, but you know, I digress. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, anyway, um, after I had my second baby, I was very inconsistent. That was the running derailment. That was the running derailment for me. And I was super inconsistent for like three years. And so it was during that time, going back to our cross country story that like, you know, all of this was kind of happening. So I wasn't running consistently. I, in my mind still was not a fast runner. I definitely couldn't coach these fast kids. Mm. Right. But I was a physical therapist. I knew I could contribute that. Right. And so you know, before I even started, you know, before we came up with this idea of me helping coach, I was just kind of like the team physical therapist. So like all the kids on the team, any aches and pains would just come to me. They called me Dr. Ange, you know, and that was kind of my role. So I was always involved with the cross country team um, because they obviously loved our kids and it was just kind of like a natural thing. And so then when Kevin was having a hard time finding that assistant coach, I was like, well, what if I just help kind of on the back end? Like I can do all the scheduling. I can send out all the emails, like do all of the administrative types of work, but I'm definitely not going to be coaching. Yeah. Because doing all the administrative type of work, it's it's time consuming. It yeah. needs to be done, yeah. but it's way more time consuming than it seems like it should be. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it was exhausting. And it, it got me to a point where I couldn't put in the the effort into the coaching aspect of yeah. it because I was doing too much administrative stuff. I'm trying to figure out t-shirt sizes and make sure that the kids have paid, given me a check to right. get a team t-shirt rather than figure out like how to actually get faster. Yeah. And that was driving Kevin crazy. And so when, when you were so stressed there, in my head, well, if I just kind of help relieve that part, then he can coach more the way he wants. And then he can show up better as a, as a husband, as a dad, like he'll maybe have less stress coming home also. Mm -hmm. So part of it was a little selfish. I'm not going to lie. And so I responded by running more. (laughs) (laughs) So if you kind of fast forward a little bit, that gets us kind of closer to 2017. I mean, how big of a jump do you want to make in the storyline here? That's a pretty big jump. So we have to start a little bit before. Well, no, because we started Real Life Runners really in in 2017. 2017. Um, It was a very big year. It was quite the year for our family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so basically, I started coaching cross country. Um, It's been, what, nine years we, we figured out? I've been coaching with nine years now with you. Um, and so it kind of, my role kind of moved from like that more administrative. Then I would come to practice a couple, a couple days times a week and help run strength routines. Right. And I would just do strength. I wasn't involved in the running side of things. And then it just kind of evolved more and more and more. And obviously now I'm, I'm at practice every day. I'm definitely a full now, and, coach. Now Angie runs practice <laughs> <laughs> and I, I set up scheduling on the side. It, it is kind of funny that like you do more of the administrative work now. Yes, I, I do. <laughs> I, I work the administration. I set up our schedule. I kind of lay out the workouts for the, for the season. You do. Don't even, don't even like downplay your role here. And then, then I just sit there quietly. Oh my gosh. Stop <laughs> it. You're such a brat sometimes. Don't believe anything he says right now. Um, so yeah, that kind of takes us to 2017, which was our 10 year anniversary. It was our 10 year anniversary. It's a good way to cap that year. And so for those of you that um, aren't familiar kind of with kind of our story here in 2017, you want to talk about 
kind of your running journey? What was happening at this point? Uh, I was crushing my running journey. Yeah. Like really, I was running. Um, let's see. I think I had flipped to running in mornings at that point. When we had mm-hmm. one kid, I would run at night yeah. and then wake up super early and go to work and then come home, dinner with the family, and then run after dinner at like 10 o'clock at night. That was an awkward timeline. Then we had two kids and I flipped and became a morning runner, mm-hmm. but I was still staying up until like midnight. So I would mm-hmm. stay up till like midnight doing work and like getting stuff ready for school and grading and, and stuff like that. And then I'd wake up at like 4 35 o'clock and go out and just I was crushing it in running. And it turned out that I was definitely in really good shape because I won a marathon. Um, but I followed up a marathon by having a seizure and ending up in the hospital. And and I, I just blew that one off because the doctor said, sometimes it's just a freak occurrence. And I said, great, I'm going to just cling to it might be a freak occurrence. And I just kept training. And then I had a second seizure. And I was like, yeah, I don't think it's a freak occurrence anymore. And so then we were trying to figure out like what it was. Mm-hmm. And then we celebrated our anniversary. Mm-hmm. And then I had a third seizure and we were like, okay, we got to completely figure this thing out. Yeah. And so the, the funny part about all this is that I had this idea to start a business at like the end of 2016. Yep. And, um, I was, I started to learn more about podcasting. I started to learn more about online platforms and things like that, because I was a physical therapist at this point and I was practicing part-time because it was important for me to be a mom, like being again, you know, going back to like those core values, like freedom. Uh, I really love the freedom that came with being a physical therapist, having that part-time capability so that I could prioritize my family. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, when I was a physical therapist, I really started to get a very clear look at the medical system and how our medical system was set up. And I didn't like it. Like our medical system here in the United States, and I, I can't speak for other countries, but here it's a very reactive system. We treat disease in the United States. We don't, I, I don't know why we call it healthcare because it's not healthcare, it's disease care. Yep. And I just kept it doesn't seeing- doesn't sound as good though. It doesn't, <laughs> but like I kept seeing the same people coming in with the same problems or different people with the same problems. And I would just, I started realizing patient after patient after patient, if these people just learned a few things, a few little lifestyle changes, they could completely reverse all the medical issues that they have, yep. right? And so- to me, I was like, I think that healthcare needs to be actual health care, not disease care. And what if our system could be more proactive versus reactive? What if we could teach people how to change their lifestyle, how to eat better, how to exercise in a way that's right for them so that they can avoid chron- all of this chronic pain and chronic disease and all of these issues that they're experiencing later in life? Right. That was your big issue of being a PT is you couldn't, you couldn't get to the front end of the issue Mm -hmm. is you were just, people were getting dumped onto you after years of personal physical neglect. And they're like, uh, this hurts. And you're like, well, of course that hurts. You haven't taken care of yourself for 40 years. Right. And then there was insurance issues, right? So it's like, I couldn't actually help them the way that I wanted to, because once I got them to a certain point, then the insurance would stop paying and they would stop coming. Right. And so it was like, okay, how can I help people before they even get to me? How can I start doing that? And so that was really my first idea for this online business. And like, you know, growing up, having small kids, um, we got very much into, um, learning more about our nutrition and what was in our food supply and trying to make healthier food for both for us and for our kids. Like I made all of our baby food homemade. 
I made I was, some of it. Well, we, sorry. <laughs> yes, we, we both did. That's true. Um, you know, and, and so people were constantly asking me about like recipes and, you know, nutrition and like all of these things. And I'm like, okay, what if I started helping people using both my PT knowledge with exercise and then all the nutrition knowledge I've gained and helping people live healthier lives. Right. And so at this point I wasn't really thinking about doing runners. And then I was like, Hey, Kevin, you should do a business too. Yep. And then <laughs> I was like, sure, I guess I could do a business. And so we like, well, we literally had like dual businesses going at this point. Cause you had your like PT health. Right. And at this point too, cause, cause what was happening is like, we had people coming to me asking me about like physical therapy and like, how do I deal with this ache or pain and nutrition and that kind of thing. And people were coming to you asking more about training plans. Like, Hey, can you make a training plan for me? And like, or people would come to you and ask if you could ask me to make a training plan right, for them because right. you've got like your whole like running group they're like yeah. does kevin make plans yeah Can and you... i was like yeah maybe we should do that right like because that i joined the running group in 2017 like in the middle of 2017 so yeah anyway so we were like okay and then at the beginning of 2017 we're like okay you know what we should like combine and just yes. make a business together and like we could do like a whole strength things for runners and training plans and like have like this whole holistic system because i'm very much into like mind and body and spirit and all of the things like let's create this really holistic system and that's when the seizure started yes like we literally went to this like business conference in march and like we're like we're gonna start a podcast like we're gonna be doing all these things this is gonna be freaking amazing some and then like in april is when you had your first seizure so yeah. things kind of like screeched to a halt and it's like what the heck is going on right now mm -hmm. yeah so we like really had to figure out okay we thought that we had the health side figured out we're like we're literally going to make a company that's going to help people figure out their health and then this started happening and yeah. i'm like okay we might not have a full grasp on everything we need to to be completely healthy that's how like real life runners has become as holistic as it is yeah. like we thought we had the big broad approach but I was skimping on things. Like I literally, I was sleeping like four hours a night. But we were doing parts of it, right? Yeah, like we we're, were really doing, good at aspects. We were really good at like creating a training plan. Yep. We were really good at some nutrition stuff, but there was like, there, like you said, there were missing pieces. And it's yeah. like, okay, once, once Kevin started having these seizures, like at, at first he wanted to avoid medication. So we're like, okay, let's take a look at our lifestyle and see what is happening here. Like, what do we need to change about the way that we're living? Cause we like, we were living really healthy lives, you yep. know, like we were exercising on a regular basis. We were eating really healthy. Like it didn't make sense that you would just start having these yeah. random medical problems. I, I want a freaking marathon. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, truth be told, we don't know if your seizures are directly linked to anything lifestyle. Like I, I believe they are. This is we, very true. We both believe they are. Some of the neurologists think differently, right? But ultimately Kevin went through all of the tests, like you name it. He had that test multiple times and they couldn't find any specific reason for those seizures. Right. The one doctor suggests that she knows where there's an extra wrinkle inside of my brain. Um, but in possibly, order, possibly like she didn't see it. No, because she said in order to do it, we'd literally have to like knock you out and then cut out a piece of your skull right. and like go in there and look. And there's there's no benefit in doing that yeah. because I pr it's the most likely place you have an extra wrinkle and here's the medication to fix it. Mm -hmm. And after from what April through December, I really strongly resisted taking the medication and and the doctor was basically like, look, you can't keep having seizures. It's like a path going through the woods. 
if it happens once, you're like, oh, there's not a path in those woods. But then it happens again. It happens again. It happens again. Eventually, you don't have this like kind of sort of is there a path in the woods? You have a trail and it's a connection that your brain is not supposed to make, but it's easily making the connection. And you don't want there to be an easy path connection in your brain that shouldn't be there because that's a short circuit and that's going to create seizures. So you need to take these medications or you're going to keep having them. She was she was blunt, which I liked because she spoke kind of the same way that Angie speaks. <laughs> like there was no messing around with her. Like she was very clear. She's like, you're going to keep having them. Eventually you might have one that you don't stop. It's just going to keep happening. And these will prevent that from happening. And she's like, you have kids. You had a seizure in front of them. Would you like to keep having them? It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fine. I, I would like, she was so blunt and really it's, partly because she reminded me of Angie with the way that she was so straightforward and clear about it. She's like, I didn't know that this is the fix. We had met other doctors and they, yeah. they, I didn't have a good connection with them. Mm-hmm. This doctor very much reminded me of Angie and that's why I trusted her so much. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think you've ever told me that. As well, I mean, that was the connection is just the way that she phrased things, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's different words than you would yeah. use, but there's the tone behind it, the the just bluntness of it. I'm sure she puts off a whole lot of people. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I'd like somebody to give it to me with a little bit more sugar coating, a little bit like me with a gentle hug. No, no, no. That's not what I needed. Like the gentle hug was like, mm, so I can get with it, get it without medication. No, no, no. Sometimes things show up that, yes, you can take this whole holistic approach, best health perspective. And sometimes the answer is you need to take a pill so you stop having this. Yeah. And that's what it was. And sometimes medications like that are necessary and good, Mm -hmm. right? But like in general, I think that we as Americans and probably other countries as well are over medicated, right? Like I think that we can do a lot with just like our lifestyle choices. I don't like medication. I try not to take any, any medication that I don't quote unquote need. Yep. Right. But there are some times that medication is necessary and, and, and this is one of them. This is one of them for sure. But we still took that experience to try to figure out, okay, what's a better way? What else can we do? What do we have control over to try to prevent this from happening? And to help you get back to your running in the way that you want to without feeling like you're limited in any way. Right. And that was a, a lengthy journey back yeah. because not limited means I can actually train to try to win marathons. Right. That was what I had in my head. Yeah. And that was a big physical and mental journey for sure. For both of us. For both of us. For Because yeah, because I was nervous. Like I don't want to get that call. Right. And I was, no. I got that call like every four months in 2017. It, it, well, twice and you then got it twice and the then third I, one was in our house the, the third one was screams from our daughter which yeah. was the worst one of all but so anyway that that's kind of like where this all started we kind of got got off on a little bit of a tangent there but of course we did it's this episode <laughs> but like you know to us running should be a holistic thing that's why we named our company real life runners because we felt that running needs to fit into your real life. And like Kevin said, it's not like running is an island. Running is not over here and the rest of your life is over there. Your your real life affects your running and your running affects how you showed up in your real life. And that's really what I started getting on to around this time period as well is this personal development journey. Like mm-hmm. in 2017, I started to realize that it's about so much more than just running and how running can help us learn these lessons 
in different ways. Like learn these types of like, you know, life coaching, personal development, whatever you would like to call it and help us live better lives. So like there are direct connections between running and a lot of these other things in our life. And that's really the connection that I wanted to make with our podcast and with everything that we're doing here at Real Life Runners. I mean, if anybody's like a, an OG listener of the podcast, yeah. so many of our first ones, we would wrap it up at the end and being like, and this is exactly how this aspect of running is connected to your we real did. life. We like we would have that little segment at the end of all of them. And the answer is like every aspect of your running is going to go ahead and be connected to your real life. Yeah. Like there's just a natural connection. And if you can't see it, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Like even if you can't put a name to it, there's life is part of running and running is part of life. They just, they work together. Yeah. And, and that's really what we've created, you know, and it's one of those things that we're constantly like molding and filtering and, you know, reading new research and trying to improve on a daily basis is the way that we coach runners, because I had an issue with the way that a lot of runners were being coached, especially with like our cross country team. And watching like other high school cross country coaches and the way that some of them chose. And obviously I don't know all the specifics and the details, of but, course not. but, um, I just felt like there's so much more that we can do with it, especially with the mental side. And how can I use the mental aspect of running to really help these kids, these teenagers to develop into better humans, right? Like how can I use my short time as their cross country coach to actually have an impact on the rest of their lives. Right. And so we've had so many talks about this. It's like, okay, it's great to get faster. And, you know, so many kids, they join the cross country team. They would like to get faster. People join the the Real Life Runners Academy. They want to get faster. But there's this aspect of, I also want to just improve as a person. And with the high school kids, they don't join cross country hoping to improve as a person. They do not. They they don't. But so we have you, to be a little bit more tactical, right? But if you set, sort of subtly guide them in this yeah. aspect, you can help them make the connection of what they're doing to improve as a runner also doesn't help, does actually help them improve as a real person mm-hmm. as they're progressing through like a remarkably formative time of high school. Oh, yeah. Like, are we necessarily creating the fastest kids on the team? Like, I think that we could train them and run them into the ground and burn them out by the time they hit college. Yeah. And that we could move up a few places in the, in the, like, state rankings. But I think that we do a phenomenal job of churning out quality athletes who are also quality people. Mm -hmm. And academics too, right? Like that's a big part of it as well. But then, and then also like, how does this translate into the way we coached our real life runners, right? Like the way that we coached everybody like on, on our online platform, it's like, yeah, of course we want to help you guys reach your running goals. We want to help you get faster, run longer, do all of that. But also create those healthy habits to pass on to their children, because that's what I think is such a huge part of how we're going to have an impact both on this generation and the next generation, how we're going to start to, um, start to reverse that healthcare from being that reactive into more that proactive healthcare, like actually promoting health through healthy habits. If we can help more parents live healthier lives, the kids are going to start to see, oh, my parents are exercising more. My parents are eating healthier. This is just normal. This is normal right? Behavior. And so if kids grow up with that being normal. Think about what what kind of impact that could have. And that's what really gets me excited. It's like, how many more people can I help 
in, you know, just by changing a couple people's lives, right? right? The ripple effect the ripple of coaching. Effect of coaching. And, and that to me is what's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, the ripple effect is huge because you, you, influence parents it influences the kids like i said like i grew up with runners around me so yeah. becoming a runner didn't like it wasn't a weird thing to me yeah like you had more obstacles to it mental obstacles well, to it and i also grew up being slightly overweight okay and so there was you know that aspect of i always wanted to be healthy like i was you know i grew up in the 90s it's like so everything was fat free and it was like okay i was like i was trying to lose weight but it wasn't working mm -hmm. right and now i understand you know, weight and why, <laughs> and 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 I also understand it in such a better way now, right? And I understand, yes, why, um, why I was that way. But um, how can I help so that other people don't have to go through that same suffering, yeah. right? How can I, you know, help educate people, help coach people in a way to then make that ripple effect so that more people can live a healthier life that is free from pain, that is free from chronic disease, that is free from any sort of limitation so that they can live a healthy, vibrant, active, fulfilling life. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was your goal for so long. And my goal was to get people as fast as possible. Yeah. And then we both sort of gained this thing of why don't we just improve like the joy that people have in life. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea of, you know, you don't necessarily have to go out and hit a PR in every single race yeah. to be satisfied with it, which was always such a thing in my own personal running mm -hmm. is if it's not a PR, was it a worthwhile race? Yeah. You know, the, the first full marathon that I did post seizures, I did not run a PR. And that was one of my most satisfying races that I've ever run mm -hmm. because I trained for it and I raced in it in the way that I wanted to. I didn't train being like, oh, well, here's the limits that I'm going to put on myself because I don't want to stretch myself too much and possibly have a seizure. Like I ran it unlimited the way that I could train for myself in the most healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I raced it aggressively. And so I felt satisfied at the end of it as opposed to other races that if I didn't have that same mental aspect to it, I don't think I would have had as much joy at the end. It would have been like, well, didn't hit a PR. So that was a whole giant waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just a whole level of joy that we are now bringing to our running that we haven't had before because we understand it on such a deeper level. Right. And then we can share that and try and help other people make that step also that yeah. running can just be a joyful experience regardless of you know distance and time outputs. Right. And that doesn't mean that you don't focus on those things, right? Like you, no, you, you should definitely still have goals. We're not saying that the time doesn't matter at all. Like you can make that time mean whatever you want it to, but you can also be satisfied with the effort that you put in with the journey that you take to get there. That's not contingent on only the result. Like the result does not determine how successful that journey was. Yes. All right. So, so where do you want to, where do you want to go? Where do you want to sort of start to wrap this up? So um, the other thing we could talk about, I don't know if people are interested in this, we could do it kind of quickly is like kind of what we do now and like what our running looks like now. Cause like, we've talked a lot about like how we've gotten here. Um, like what we do in the business. Yeah. Because I think it's an oh, interesting, well, it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because it's like, we are spouses, like, and, and we have a very, like we share responsibility. Like, I think that Kevin and I have a very, um, what's the, what's a good word I'm looking for? Like reciprocal type of relationship, sure. right? Like good word. we both parent, we 
you know, parent the girls. We both cook. We both clean. We both share house household responsibilities. Like we both, and then we also work in the business together. And that's been a very interesting balance to try to find, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, how are we both spouse, or well, not both, but spouses, parents, business owners, like, and then in the business, there has to be like some sort of structure, right? Yep. Like some sort of power structure when it comes to decision making and like what we're going to do in the business, what steps we're going to take, um, what decisions we're going to make, what directions we're going to go. And like, how do we take that and like kind of our roles in the business and have, keep them separate from our roles in the house and in, also in our marriage? I mean, they don't have to be separate, but they, there has to be like, you can't understanding? bring, yes, there has to be some understanding yeah. that, that they are not the same thing, that a role in a business and a role as spouses and, yeah. and parents, they're not the same thing. Well, do, have you, do you think that that's like, you've had an issue? Have you ha- had an issue with that? Cause I know I have like trying to figure out like, okay, like if, like, if I need to have like a, a difficult business conversation with you, yeah. can I say that as, you know, the CEO of the business not your wife, right? Like, I don't want you to take this personally. Yeah. I mean, I think but that, we have to address this issue over here that like needs to be addressed for the business sake. Yeah. You I know, mean, like it, it, sometimes I feel like it's a, it's a interesting line to walk. It, it isn't interesting, but I mean, here's the thing is we both know what our roles are in the business. So I, what would you say those are? I, I help. I, I, create most of the plans mm-hmm. that people run on. It, you know, if you know the running plan library you have that, that exists inside the academy, I've put together those training plans. You like have worked with me on on making those plans and figuring out how the best way to put different strength exercises into mm-hmm. that because that is your specialty is how do you actually strength train runners? Right. And then all of the like how a business runs, which is super, super complicated, is all Angie. <laughs> It's just all like everything about the business and every decision that needs to get made gets made by Angie. Like they just all do. But I ask your opinion. Yes. But then she makes all the decisions. I have no stress on like, is the business going to run itself? No, Angie's going to run it and I'm going to make some training plans. Well, and and part of that is also because of COVID. Yes. Right. Because like your full-time business, right. I'm full-time in the business now. So like pre 2020, we were just kind of doing this as on the side, right? Like it was just kind of like a side gig for both of us. I was, we were having fun with it. We were recording a weekly podcast. We had some coaching clients, but it wasn't like anything that we were going all in on, right? Mm -hmm. Kevin still is a full-time teacher. We're obviously both coaching a high school cross country team. We still have two children. Like, and so we were coaching kind of on the side. And when 2020 happened and everything got shut down, that's when I decided to really go all in on the business and really try to figure out how to grow the business and try to help more people because ultimately that's what I want to do anyway. Like as I was have just told you guys, like the ripple effect that I want to make, I want to make a bigger impact. And I loved being a physical therapist because I love that I could impact one person's life. Like my patient, like if I can help that patient cure their pain, you know, like handle and manage their chronic pain or rehab from, from a surgery or an injury that can completely change that person's life. And yes, there is a ripple effect to that, but how can I do that on even a bigger scale? And that's one of the things that I like just lights me up inside and gets me so excited. And so that's one of the things I really wanted to do and figure out how do I actually run a sustainable business so that I can, we can make that 
huge impact that I really think that we have the potential to make. Right. And so, because I, so, so, so COVID hit, you essentially stopped heading out and being a PT and started like really running the business more as like a, this is going to be what we do kind of business. And I tried to figure out how to teach in a COVID environment of (laughs) remote learning. So I'm like, look, are we even allowed to say that word now? Or is it going to be like filtered out in the podcast? No, it's going to be fine. So I had to figure out how to like teach in this environment, which was super weird and different and like involved so much extra work. So as Angie's taking more responsibility for the business, I literally had to take even less and less. I'm like, I am just, I'm going super thin here because I have so much stuff to try and figure Mm -hmm. out of even how I'm supposed to teach anymore. So I, I naturally pulled back at the time that you like, I mean, more than doubled your effort in the business. And and so it kind of set up essentially where we're at at this point. Well, and you felt really bad doing it, right? Because like you, like you felt like you were letting me down. You felt like you were letting the business down. And it was like, no, like this is just what needs to happen. You know? And I think that like once you and I had that conversation several times and you, you realized that like, I wasn't mad about it. Like I was happy to take on that role. Like it was like this, we went through this kind of weird phase, right? Where it was like, I knew that I needed to take on more stuff to offload the amount of stress that you were, you know, that you had, because you had obviously your full-time job plus everything with the business. And now here I am, I'm full-time in the business. I have plenty, like so much more time than you do. I knew I needed to take that on, but I didn't want you to feel like I was taking things away from you. Right. Like that was always a thing of like, look, like I wanted to feel like it was equal, you know, like I always wanted us to feel like we were equal because that's a, an important thing for us in our marriage. Yes. And then we finally had to have the blunt conversation where it was just like, look, we're not equal. You're running the business yeah. and I still have a full-time teaching job. Mm-hmm. So we're just not equal. You are the CEO of the company mm-hmm. and and I have my role in the company, yeah. but I, I, I am not at the same at all level in the company that you are. And it took a little while to get mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. But eventually we're, we were okay with that. Yes. Like I was happy to take on the excess because I knew that that's what I needed to do, yeah. but it was also like making sure that that didn't affect our marriage. Us. Yeah. Like us, because that's the core of right. all of it. You were, you're like, I don't want to take away all of your power and make you feel like you're not useful. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, but I don't have the time or bandwidth to do this. Well, and there were, there were balls that were being dropped. Yes. Right. And that was also part of it as well. Like when I talked about like some of those awkward conversations, like how can I address this without making him feel even worse? Because I know that you already felt bad that you weren't doing more in the business. And so you- the small bit that I was yeah. doing that I kept dropping a ball on. Yes. 2021 was an awkward, awkward time where we were trying to figure out like what I did have time for. And you're like, oh, maybe you could do this. And then I would screw it up. And then, oh, maybe you could do this. And I, would, I wouldn't I would get it done on time. And yeah, so then we we kind of had to get to a place where it was like, yeah. okay, what are you comfortable doing? Like that was the conversation we yeah. had. Like you asked me, what are you comfortable doing? Give me everything that you think that you can handle. Yeah. And I'm like, I can do this. Yeah. And I don't know if I can do much more than that. Well, and I was like, give me the minimum, you yeah. know, because it's like, I think like your nature is to try to take on more because again, you and I have always had such an equal relationship, like throughout the whole course of all of it, that that's just kind of what we default to. And like, you feel bad if you feel like you're not doing enough. And I feel bad if I feel like I'm not doing enough, like if we feel like the others, but ultimately 
it's never going to be completely equal, especially like this, like, especially in a marriage, a business partnership and parenting, like there's never going to be one part, like exactly 50, 50. There's always going to be times where I do a little bit more or you do a little bit more. And that's just the flow of it all. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's how life is. There's, we are equal partners in in life, yeah. but there are times where you have more responsibility. There's times where I have more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mostly there's times where you have more responsibility that way we get things done effectively. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I, I am truthful. No. Well, so, and then the last thing that we can just kind of wrap up with really, really quick is like our running now, right? What are we doing in 2023. All right, what are you doing in 2023? I am experimenting with different types of racing in okay. 2023 because that's kind of what um I I've I've dealt with a couple issues this year, some health issues um and I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm coming out on the other side hopefully like I I found out that I had like an iron deficiency and so I've been taking iron supplement and I'm starting to feel a little bit better, but I would like to um experiment with like trail racing. I'd like to experiment with, um, some obstacle horse racing, Mm -hmm. some like different things, because I really like feeling strong and road races are fun, but I think I'm, I'm interested in trying out some other stuff. Excellent. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I got a marathon this weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see how that one goes. Yeah, because the training has not been exact. I've tra- I've changed up the style of training. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've gotten a little bit older, I just I can't train the same way I trained when I was thirty. It just it, I don't recover the same way. So I've changed yeah. the way that I'm I'm training for this one. We'll see how it plays out. Um, and then I, I want to continue pursuing ultra marathon distances because. It was super, super painful, but just the overall experience I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done like solo things around our house, but, you know, attempting an old, the hundred mile race last year and all of the people involved in it, the whole experience was just phenomenal. So trying to get into that environment again, and I'm not sure in what, what way, what race, mm-hmm. how it's going to look, but it does, that sounds very, very interesting to oh, me. Oh, I also wanted to do like a team relay race, like a Ragnar or something similar to yes. that. Yeah. Like, I think that would be really fun too. Yes. Like again, just like that community connection, like feeling more connected to. I don't want to do one where we sleep in a tent. No. No. Why not? No. Maybe one where we rent a couple of, of vans, vans and just everybody's just smells awful in the van. But You'd rather do that than Yes. Vans? Yes. Because in a van, there are soft seats and in a bus, in a tent, you're just sitting on the ground. No, you have foam um, air mattresses. That's nah, awful. No. Give me a chair. <laughs> give me an actual chair. All right. So, anyways, so we're going to discuss that. We will discuss. But um, hopefully you guys found this episode kind of fun, kind of different. We've never really done something like this before. Um, so you kind of know a little bit more about kind of our story and where we came from and what we do now and a little bit more about our relationship and our business <laughs> and, and that kind of stuff. So um, we'd love to connect with you guys more. And if you're not following us over on social, please do Instagram, real life runners, TikTok, real life runners. Don't forget about the 31 days of running tips. And then don't forget about that new running snapshot to help you gain more clarity and momentum towards your goals to figure out where you are right now. Um, so you can get that over at realliferunners.com forward slash snapshot. And as always, guys, thanks for joining us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 283. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>